This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. This weekend, we had Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman, as well as UFC Rafael Dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards. Now, because of a time crunch, Paul isn't going to be joining me, but he's already given me his notes, so he's here in spirit. And rather than covering the whole UFC card, which was pretty lackluster, I thought the best use of our time and what will be most interesting and beneficial to our listeners is to look at two different southpaws from two different main events. You have 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao, who will be turning 41 this year, fighting a much larger and younger Keith Thurman, who is 10 years his junior. Thurman also has two inches in height and reach over Pacquiao. And though Pacquiao ended up winning a split decision over Thurman, it could have also been justifiable for him to win a unanimous decision. So unlike Leon Edwards, who is the taller man in his matchup against Rafael Dos Anjos, Pacquiao had to overcome the reach of Thurman, but also had to reach higher to hit Thurman in the head. So what did Pacquiao do well? First, he understood his job. As the smaller fighter, he had to be the aggressive infighter. He had to get his forehead right on Thurman's chest and hit him. Also in an open stance matchup, where it's a southpaw versus an orthodox fighter, your jab and lead foot tends to get tangled with your opponents. And coming in, it's hard to dictate where your foot will land. Will you be in the inside lane or the outside lane? Meaning, will you be coming directly into your opponent's chest and possibly their right hand, or will you be strafing to the outside? And if you overthink it, you'll just hesitate. You saw that a lot in the Alex Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo fight, where because Hernandez got beaten up so badly by Donald Cerrone, where he came in recklessly with his stance switches, this time around, Hernandez was much more hesitant against Trinaldo and ended up getting a hometown decision in a very low output performance. But Pacquiao had no hesitation. And at 40, he still had speed. And even being the smaller fighter, he still had power. He knocked down Thurman in the first and hurt him several times throughout the fight. What Pacquiao did was rather than to overthink it, he just came in. And much like Mike Tyson, he didn't wait to get head to chest to start firing. He fired on the way in, taking his opponents by surprise. And if Pacquiao was on the inside lane, where he was between his opponent's feet, he fired, slipped to avoid the right straight from Thurman, and changed angles. So he was facing Thurman, and Thurman was facing somewhere else. Also on the inside lane, he relied on jabs, left straights, left overhands, and left hooks. Now, if we look at southpaws, aka left-handed fighters in the UFC, you rarely see them throw jabs. But both Pacquiao and Edwards threw constant jabs and hurt their opponents with jabs. And especially Edwards, who was using it to bloody up the eye of RDA. 
Now, if Pacquiao had the outside lane, Pacquiao would turn his jabs into a right hook and follow it up with a left straight to the body and escape out the side door. The most famous use of outside lane strafing was Holly Holm against Ronda Rousey, where she would strafe to the outside as a southpaw while cracking Rousey with her left straight. Now, if Thurman was coming in, it's much easier to dictate foot position, and this is where Pacquiao would plant his foot on the outside and catch Thurman with a check hook. Now, if Thurman was coming in, it's much easier for Pacquiao to dictate foot position. So this is where Pacquiao would plant his foot on the outside and catch Thurman with a check hook. Hooks are a short distance punch, and it's even a shorter distance if you're the smaller fighter. But if you let them come to you, they collapse their own distance advantage. Then you can step outside for the exit as you crack them with a hook. This can also set up your left straight. Also, since Pacquiao was the shorter fighter, rather than constantly reaching up for the headshot, Pacquiao hit the area that was closest to him, the body. If speed is your advantage, then hitting the closest targets makes you even faster. The knockdown in round one all started with a body shot, and he doubled Thurman over in the 10th round with another body shot. Southpaws, whether in MMA or in boxing, switch stances on occasion. Boxers much less so than MMA fighters, but it still happens, not as a stylistic choice, but because of the awkward angles and awkward foot positioning you end up having to. Pacquiao in round one hit Thurman with a beautiful drop step into a body shot, then a shift into a right hand to drop him. Normally, you can evade punches like that, but because of the footwork employed by Pacquiao, Thurman got hit by punches he didn't think he could get hit by. So in that exchange in the first round, Pacquiao's initial distance punches, the jabs, missed. So those are his longest punches, and they weren't hitting. Then a body shot grazes Thurman, which makes him lower his hands. Then the hook, the shortest distance punch, lands flush. How did this happen? Because as you're evading, you should be getting further away from your opponent's punches. So how come they were getting closer and closer? Because of the footwork of Manny Pacquiao. When you're not in a fight, what would you call stand switching? It's called walking or running. Left foot in the lead, right foot in the lead, left foot in the lead, right foot in the lead. But in fighting, in combat sports, this is called shifting. Because normally you just pick a stance, like one foot is in the front, and then you keep it there. But just like in regular life, what's the fastest way to close distance? You run at your opponent. So stand switching or shifting is how Manny Pacquiao was able to close the distance on Thurman faster than Thurman was anticipating. And even at the highest of levels in professional fighting, especially in boxing, shifting while punching is still not that common. And southpaws are still not that common. Now in the 10th round, Pacquiao makes Thurman cover up with a jab, then steps in with a right hook to the body. So he's hitting him while stepping in and switching stances to orthodox. Then from there, he switches angles and looks for a left hook to the head, still in orthodox. But Thurman was already doubled over. Now let's talk about the southpaw jab, which isn't something you normally talk about with southpaws. But Pacquiao not only had better shots to the head, not only did Pacquiao brutalize the body of Thurman, but Pacquiao also did beautiful work with the jabs, doubling and even tripling up on them. 
he would jab over Thurman's jab. Thurman would try to take the outside lane, which nullified his own jab, but it also allows him to try and time his right straight. But being on the inside gives Pacquiao the advantage to land a jab, which he did. He landed his jab before Thurman could land a straight. Also being on the inside, Pacquiao would surprise Thurman by hitting a right hook. You're not in the best angle to throw a right hook, especially as a southpaw from the inside lane, but Pacquiao overcame this by rotating and throwing a wider hook. Because that's the thing, and I'll be explaining that more later on, but these strategies of fighting aren't hard rules. They're more like suggestions or guidelines, but there's still a lot of wiggle room. Just because people don't advise you to throw a hook from the inside lane when you're a southpaw doesn't mean you can't do it. Michael Bisping did it to Luke Rockhold to knock him out. And that's the thing. Thurman was playing a classic orthodox versus southpaw game, thinking Pacquiao was going to engage him in the same game. But why would Pacquiao play that game? Pacquiao was playing a meta game, which priced in all the classic counters and had counters for all of them. It's the fight. You don't have to and you shouldn't agree to fight on your opponent's terms. Fight on your own terms. This isn't like chess or any other strategy game that has very constrained rules. Yes, combat sports has rules, but much less so than other games. Then there were the overhands. When you're the shorter fighter, you have to punch up. But if your head is buried into their chest, what's your best punch? The overhand. And Pacquiao constantly looked for the overhand and mixed up his highs and lows. It was just a master class in southpaw boxing from the veteran Manny Pacquiao. Even losing something in speed and power, he still has his craftiness. And I think because he was so athletic, people forget he is also a really smart and instinctive fighter. Now let's talk about the other southpaw of the night, Leon Edwards. He's still relatively unknown to UFC fans, other than his two-piece and a soda backstage fight incident with Jorge Masvidal. Part of why he's unknown is because he doesn't talk much, and he's from England, and mostly has fought in the international UFC cards. So American fans don't know him, but he's one hell of a fighter on a hell of a winning streak. He not only beat RDA, he blew him out of the water. Edwards beat him in every area of the fight and won an easy, unanimous decision, with one judge giving him all five rounds, while the other two gave him four out of five. Edwards now has a record of 18-3 and and is on an eight-fight win streak in the welterweight division. That's equivalent to a 20-fight win streak in the light heavyweight or heavyweight divisions, which is to say those divisions are really thin, but the welterweight division is still stacked. He's beaten the likes of Seth Bazinski, Albert Tumanov, Vicente Luque, Brian Barberena, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, and now Rafael Dos Anjos. I mentioned that this is a story of two different southpaws and two different main events. Edwards, in his fight, was the taller and longer southpaw, but also he was fighting another southpaw in RDA. The thing every analyst was asking themselves before the fight was, can Edwards beat RDA style? Because the only people who seemed to be able to beat RDA were high-pressure, high-volume wrestlers. But that was the wrong question. The better question is, could RDA, with his singular approach, beat the versatility of Leon Edwards? 
because in this equation, RDA wasn't the problem to solve. Edwards was the problem to solve. And RDA, though his style is very good and it'll beat most opponents, RDA is not a problem solver. RDA's best work came from leg kicks and throwing enough punches in the pocket to land whenever he could. The rest of it was Leon Edwards. One of Edwards' strengths is his timing. Not only understanding the timing for when he should attack, but also understanding his opponent's timing for their attack. Long southpaws tend to be counter-strikers, and I think this is how Edwards developed his keen sense of timing. And he applies this striker's timing even to his wrestling. When RDA came in with straights to close the distance, Edwards used the same timing he would have used for a counterpunch to time a clinch to takedown. He did this throughout the fight. Sometimes it was only to clinch, sometimes to take RDA down. Having picked up wrestling later in life and coming from a striking background, rather than being adversarial about his wrestling and thinking, this is something I just have to do to not be taken down, he integrated his striking knowledge into his wrestling and how to use takedowns against strikes and how to time takedowns against strikes. He sees wrestling as another tool for offense rather than how many strikers approach it as a defensive tool and only use the striking for offense. But that limits your offense. Edwards wants to have as many offensive tools as possible. So when you come in and Edwards sees the timing for a counter, he might punch you. He might take you down. He might clinch you or he might elbow you. It all comes off the same timing. Then it's hard to prepare yourself for what's coming. And as I mentioned, he knows your timing as well. He's a striker at heart. So when you come in and try to time your flying knee, Edwards knows your flying knee counter is coming. And unlike Ben Askren or Aaron Pico, who ducked down right into them at the wrong time, Edwards sees the flying knee coming, doesn't panic or overreact because he understands striking, and blades himself so he doesn't take it flush. And rather than ducking into it, he lets RDA fly into his arms. And from there, he takes RDA down. Now, is Edwards the best wrestler in the UFC? No, because much like GSP, his wrestling looks better than it is because he knows how to wrestle against strikes. Another area that Edwards excels in is entering the clinch and exiting the clinch. He uses both the entry and exit to land elbows. Fighting in ranges and phases in MMA is becoming old school. And one of the keys to modern MMA is striking off the clinch breaks. Jan Blankowitz knocked Luke Rockhold out in their fight with this modern MMA approach, striking while exiting the clinch. And it's all about being able to attack in every moment of the fight, not just within phases. Like I said with Pacquiao, he doesn't wait to get right into the chest of his opponent to strike. He strikes all the time. And in MMA, you don't wait to be in kicking range to strike, then wait to be in boxing range to strike. You learn to strike or take down or clinch or some combo of these things all the time. Because even from the furthest range, you're not really that far away from your opponent. So fighters have ranges so ingrained in their minds, they now think of them as actual physical barriers rather than just words that can be helpful in thinking about fighting. But it's just names, just words, not laws or concrete obstacles. You can't elbow from kicking range. Sure you can. Just step in or wait for them to step in. Then you step in also 
Voila. Because this isn't a tennis match. It's a fight. You're not fighting from 20 yards out. Sometimes I think it might be helpful if fighters and every MMA fan read some books on postmodernism just to get over the idea of human-made constructs. That way you can adapt and open up your game. Bruce Lee's innovation to martial arts was just postmodernist philosophy applied to martial arts. Because Bruce Lee was a philosophy major and he learned about postmodernism and he realized all these ideas and rules in martial arts were just constructs and said, hey, forget about it. Let's just do what works. We're not done. We can still create and adapt. And watching Edwards is like water. His ability to adapt and beat his opponents at their strengths. The knock on Edwards is that he's formless. But what was Bruce Lee all about? Being formless, being like water, fitting into all these cracks and crevices, countering where your opponent is strongest. Now, since Edwards doesn't have spectacular KOs, and since he's not great on the microphone, casual fans might not appreciate him. But all the true fans of MMA love Leon Edwards, just like they love Jorge Masvidal, which is another fighter who is good in all areas. And seeing these two fighters fight each other would be a true fight fan's dream. Now, like I mentioned with Pacquiao, Edwards is another southpaw fighter who uses the jab effectively. And he jabbed the hell out of RDA using his reach rather than like Pacquiao being forced to step in. Edwards hit RDA with long ones and twos, similar to what the Diaz brothers do. But he doesn't reach like they do. And he doesn't stand as sideways as they do. Because what happens to the Diaz brothers is they get their legs chewed up. Edwards, after getting used to RDA's leg kicks, was able to evade most of them as the fight progressed. First, Edwards lands jabs on RDA. Then it's jabs and straights. Then the jab turns into a right hook. Then the right hook turns into a collar tie. Then comes the elbow. It was pinpoint striking, especially to RDA's right eye. Also being the longer fighter, he would hit RDA with a 1-2, pull away, and allow RDA to whiff on his own counters, then hit RDA again with the 1-2. Attack, allow the counter, then counter the counter. Like Pacquiao, the meta game. The counter game of your opponent is priced in to your own counter game. And Edwards didn't do any fancy footwork or anything too unconventional. It was a lot of bread and butter boxing. Jab, straight, hook. And Edwards didn't really kick unless he was in distance and he knew he couldn't be hit back. Bread and butter boxing strength is that it's the most accurate and effective punches. Straight punches or hit your opponent around their guard with a hook. But to employ this well, you need to look at your opponent. And that's another strength for Edwards, his visual acuity. He sees everything because he's constantly looking. You know the saying, bite down on your mouthpiece and throw? This is especially common in MMA. But what the real saying should be is, bite down, close your eyes, and throw. Because that's what really happens a lot of times. Fighters bite down and throw punches blind hoping to land a big one. Edwards doesn't do that. This is why his timing is so good and why his defense is so good. He looks rather than head down, closed eyes, boxing. And because he sees everything, he doesn't overreact. He doesn't bite on feints. 
there's no wasted movement with Edwards. You don't need Pacquiao footwork if you have the height and reach advantage. Just look at what's coming, dodge your opponent's strikes, and then hit your opponent. Edwards really showed his high fight intelligence in the last round. He circled the cage, inviting the clinch and takedown. Because RDA's only chance of winning is with a KO. So Edwards is trying to trick him into foiling his own path to victory. Which fighters have done lots of times. Beat down on the cards, need a Hail Mary knockout, then try to take your opponent down with a minute left. Now defensively, this is also sound because if your opponent is wrestling you, they aren't knocking you out. There were a couple of times RDA did clinch on instinct, but he disengaged, realizing, oh shit, I need a knockout. But in exiting the clinch, that means that he has to eat an elbow. So in this fight, what Leon Edwards did was make every move that RDA did the wrong move. Then RDA went for the Hail Mary jumping knee, which Edwards saw coming because at this point, that's probably your only reasonable shot at winning. And Edwards waits for it and catches it in midair and takes RDA down once again. This was a different approach to southpaw fighting than Pacquiao, but another master class. If Pacquiao is someone you should watch if you're a shorter fighter, then Edwards is someone you should watch if you're the taller fighter. The last thing I wanted to mention about the art of hitting people is fainting and leading. The two examples I want to use is James Vick versus Dan Hooker and Alex Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo, which also happened on the same UFC card. And as previously mentioned, Hernandez won a fight that he probably shouldn't have won. So why was he so ineffective? Well, what used to make him so effective? He charged in using his speed to punish his opponents. That didn't work against the wily veteran Donald Cerrone. So having learned that lesson, Hernandez didn't want to charge in recklessly. So this time around, he began to try some feints and employ some traps before coming in. He used feints before in his previous fights, but whether they worked or not, he used to still charge in. This time around, he was much more hesitant. He didn't want to pull the trigger unless he knew it was a sure thing. But the problem, at least in this fight, was that his feints and his traps didn't work. First, he moved so much that you can't tell the feints from the herky-jerky movements. So Trinaldo didn't react. Also, whenever Hernandez does attack, he throws everything into it. Whereas his feints are loose. So you know it's not a real attack. So no point reacting to anything that's loose. Also, Hernandez doesn't commit to his feints. He'll feint like use a hip feint, but instead of selling it, he'll hip feint, then immediately go on to something else. So he doesn't even give his feints a chance to work. So what is a feint? It's where you pretend to attack when you're not really attacking. Like Pacquiao did against Thurman. Constantly feint one side to land to the other side. Feint one side to the body, land to the other side of the body, then land to the head on the other side. So it could be a right feint, a left to the body, and then a right to the head. And this is actually something that Dan Hooker did, which I'll explain later. But Hernandez would also use defensive movements as feints, like he would squat with his hands down and slip his head from side to side, then employ some hand feints, then hip feints, or just do some random movement like high step or jog in place. And that's not fainting. Fainting isn't just doing random movements in front of your opponent. 
and in our study of Hernandez against Donald Cerrone, we also talked about how his stance switches seemed random rather than being a part of a tactic and an overall game plan. And in his loss to Cerrone, he said he lost because he rushed the finish, not because he made any tactical errors. So that really says all he thought he needed to improve was his patience to wait longer. And that's actually what it looked like in this fight. Hernandez sort of looks like a bad ripoff of TJ Dillashaw. But with Dillashaw, when he does use head movement as a setup, he's using it as bait. So it's not defensively. He puts his head out there in the line of fire for his opponent to try to take a shot at him so he can counter. And he's also not standing so far away that you can't hit each other. And that's what Hernandez did. Start moving his head from side to side with his arms down from really far out. Followed by shuffling his feet, then crossing his feet, then circling away. So this fight, Hernandez looked like the same version of himself as before, except now more hesitant. Which is what he said he needed to work on. More hesitation. Which isn't fun to watch. And Hernandez used to be fun to watch. But he's young, so he still has time to develop as a fighter. And there's definitely things there he can build off of. Fainting before entering is a good thing. Now with Dan Hooker, he's someone with an iron head. He especially proved that in his fight against Edson Barboza. And he's fighting James Vick, who cuts a massive amount of weight. He also has a habit of leaving his arms out as he moves backwards. John Jones can get away with that because John Jones is also a member of the Iron Head Club. Vic, however, is not a member. Hooker fights out of city boxing in New Zealand. And one of the things they pride themselves in is their fainting system. The best example is Israel Adesanya. But Hooker is not as good defensively as Adesanya. And he's also in a much tougher division than Adesanya. So Hooker initially came forward in the fight, which is where he found success. Then he sat back and tried the fainting countering system. But he kept getting cracked by the longer Vic. Adesanya so far has been the longer fighter in his UFC fights. So this system works better for him. And sitting back fainting and trying to counter against Edson Barboza got Hooker murdered. So what do you do when your feints don't work? Do you keep circling like Hernandez? No. You come forward as you feint. Hooker slipped the jab of Vic, feinted the right, then hit Vic with a left hook, all while shifting into stances much like Manny Pacquiao did against his taller man. And when he did that, he put James Vic away in the first round. And so that's about all I wanted to cover for today. So with that said, so long and goodbye.